I am President Donald J. Trump. I won the Electoral College by the biggest margin of victory in history. It was a beautiful win. Tremendous. I also won the popular vote if you don't count the millions of illegals that voted. They are bad hombres, and they need to be deported. Wait, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah. I never listen to I Doubt It with Dollamore. Fake news. Bad or sick guy. Sad. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. Welcome to the show, and thank you for joining us. Episode 415 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, and I'm joined by the lovely, the talented, the co-hosty co-host of all of the co-hosts, Brittany Page. So I hope you found something to talk about, because um, I-, I don't know how we're going to fill an entire show. <laughs> I'm, I'm concerned. I Not was, a lot has been going on. For for just a moment, I thought you were serious. <laughs> There's too much going on. We're cutting stories last minute here. Yeah. Because it's so packed. The last 24 hours, it's just been a parade, a nonstop parade on, uh, on thought, the news shows. I thought you were going to say shit show. That too, but also a parade. When CNN is giving Dennis Rodman 20 minutes oh, unabated. Crying. To cry with his potcoin.com or whatever t-shirt promoting whatever the fuck that is. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a, a mix between weed and cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, we'll get into all of that. I don't know if we're going to get into that specifically, but it's uh, a peer-to-peer cryptocurrency, yeah. which exists with the aim of becoming the standard form of payment for legalized cannabis industry. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> we are cutting. Listen, I had planned a fun-filled romp, shitting on Donald Trump about tearing up his documents in his office and the fact that they paid multiple people. Almost $70,000 a year to scotch tape the shreds together. Mm -hmm. Does he not have a shredder? He doesn't have... Well, he's not supposed to shred. That's the point. It's against the law. Right. But if he's ripping them up, he's obviously like, oh, I don't need these. I'm trying to protect my privacy. (laughs) So it's... Why wouldn't he just shred them? Or why doesn't someone just tell him? That seems like the better... Yeah. Hey, dude, you're over a year in now. You're over 500 days past uh, when you started. We need that. That's against the law. We need those documents. We're secretly paying people to tape them back together behind your back. Right. Listen, child. Well, it's not. We're not going to get into it. Maybe next time. Oh, maybe sorry. next time. Sorry. See, this is what happens. This is what happens. Sorry about that. Sorry. What? Let's talk about this. A little, a little fun, little fun thing. Brittany and I. We like to go to the movies. Mm-hmm. We're fans. Mm-hmm. Oh, the movies. Of the movie-going experience. And, and, and I think that, like, we're not critics or anything. Mm-hmm. Only one of us is really qualified to be a critic anyway. I'm the only white man at the table. Mm. <laughs> we'll get to that. But 
we use the Flickster app, which is paired or purchased by or the other way around Rotten Tomatoes, which is a review site. And so it's kind of a weird, you got to kind of have a, a system of figuring out what the what the critic rating is versus what the viewer rating is. And you can kind of, like if it's a very high critic rating and a super low viewer rating, for me, usually that means it's going to be a terrible movie. Mm-hmm. And if it's a, the opposite is true. V- very, very low critic rating and very high, it's usually a good movie. Hmm. Interesting. But I don't. But <laughs> so I don't. So you love all of the Transformers films? No, no. Those usually get panned by critics and not. And I mean, when it's wild, like in the 90s or in the single digits oh, okay. or something. I don't even know that that's a case. But, okay. But there are times where um, I'm not going to get into how I figure it out because it's it's usually movie by movie. And you have to kind of read and get the consensus anyway. But you just were t- telling me right before we, we went live here. That you read something that most, the vast majority of movie critics are fucking white dudes. Yeah, and especially on Rotten Tomatoes. So it it makes me hesitant to trust Rotten Tomatoes completely because you're getting this one perspective. Yeah. Um, majority white men who are probably not going to like certain types of movies or certain aspects of movies that maybe don't appeal to them because they're white men, right? Um, So this is from the USC Annenberg Inclusion Institute, and they found... institute for this. They found (laughs) that um, critics who reviewed the top 100 movies of 2017 were overwhelmingly white and male, Uh, 63.9% of film critics cited on Rotten Tomatoes for those films were white men. Uh, Men accounted for 77.8% of movie reviewers overall, and 45% of the 100 top grossing films of the year didn't have a review on Rotten Tomatoes from a single woman of color. Wow. So you're not having a lot of uh, representation there. And this is something that um, Amy Schumer, oh God, <laughs> going to start the controversy. I, can just, I said it. I said her name. I can hear Patreon subscri- uh, supporters just falling off. Tick. Yeah. Tick. Tick. Th- this is something that she <laughs> talks about because her new movie came out and I, I didn't go see it, but um, it was poorly reviewed by critics and... She's, That's the I Feel Pretty movie. Yeah, about like self-esteem and yeah. women. And she said that she believes that the reason it got bad critic reviews was because it's primarily white men and the movie doesn't appeal to them. And women, um, the movie is going to resonate more with women, probably. Mm. And women would like it more and review it more favorably. Now, I don't know, because obviously movie critics are, I I would think, supposed to try to step outside of their bias and their own personal tastes and evaluate the movie structure. Yeah, yeah. there's more elements than just was it entertaining for you. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I don't know what else is involved, but I'm sure it's things about storytelling and how things move along whether yeah. it has a point whether it gets to where it needs to go i mean i i don't know the variables specifically but i'm assuming other things go into it um not just i can't relate to this this sucks yeah you know i mean i would hope you would hope so yeah right. um but who knows what's going on what do you think i, I don't uh i listen i think that anytime 
um, my inner SJW is going to be showing here. But I, I do think that it's important to have a varied outlook, a varied perspective um, represented because it it does look people they view the world through different lenses everybody all white men don't view the world through the same lens um and it's the same that if you have a a a, a woman of color who's reviewing a movie she sees the it's it just it's just the way it is so the more varied that your that your critics are the more varied your reviews are going to be and they bring because a review isn't just five out of five Three out of five. Right. There's a perspective to well, it. Yeah. They, they write a whole thing up and mm-hmm. they give you the reasons that they think it was flawed or they think it was a masterpiece. Right. And you get to experience that. And I think all of that is good. And I think it's very weird that it's uh, just a white man, white man's game. Yeah. Even aside from the perspective, there is the other part of it, which is that um, these jobs aren't open to yeah, for sure. other people other than white men. And so this appears to be a field that is dominated by white men and uh it's 2018. Yeah, think about the think about the the movie critics that you can It's kind of a dick job. Like <laughs> you know? You mean like the famous like the notable ones? Not even the notable ones, just it, it's kind of a like you're shitting on, you're critiquing the work, the creative work of someone else. Mm-hmm. If you were really that fucking great in a in a position to be judging, mm-hmm. wouldn't you be out there making your own movies? <laughs> I, maybe that's the classic, very you know easy, low hanging fruit to make fun of movie critics. Yeah, but uh, it's, there's some truth to that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there are. I, I, listen, it's kind of the same way. Like with YouTube videos. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's a personal issue for you. And that's why I can see it too, where if someone says something about the show, I'm like, oh, yeah, why don't you try to podcast for 400 episodes? <laughs> yeah, well. Let's see how hard it is, huh? You, you only come across <laughs> me in a dick if you say it. But, uh, you know, this is just between you, me, and, you know, the, <laughs> the, the audience. And that's, I resist the urge to say this oftentimes. Like when someone shits on a video or says, blah, 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 this was dumb or blah, 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 whatever. I've re- I resist in my mind. I want to reply. Oh, yeah. Well, what's a link to the video you did about this? I- I'd love to watch it. What- go ahead and provide that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, of course, there's no I mean, I've never done that, but because I'm I'm only going to look like a dick face. Yeah. And I think for people who are creators, mm-hmm. one, you got to have a thicker skin. Yes. Because people are going to be shitty Mm -hmm. and not just, you know, not just the fat faggot ginger cuck bullshit that I get called constantly, Mm -hmm. but uh, you just, you got to have a thicker skin. Yeah. Because people are dicks. People are for sure dicks. Yeah. And I I think going back to Amy Schumer, that's something that she has talked about too, where she's just kind of realized that this is the position that she's in. She's going to have people preemptively... Um, giving her terrible ratings on Netflix, on her show, her her stand up before watching it. Um, and but for her, it, it's it's attacking really her online a everywhere. gender thing. Um, by that, do you mean that a lot of the comments have to do with her appearance and things like that? Well, I I, I bring that up because let's say. 
The re- well, the reason I say that is because if a man was in a similar position, he wouldn't be facing those issues. So, mm-hmm. by virtue of that, I consider it a gender issue. Mm-hmm. If a dude was in the same exact deal, if there was a I feel dude-ish or whatever, like, you know, whatever the 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 male analog to mm-hmm. to uh, I feel pretty is. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not going to be legions of women attacking him and downvoting the video mm-hmm. because for whatever fucking weird misogynistic incel reason there they have. Yeah, I mean, even women turned on her for this one, too. But for the ones like her stand up and things like that, it does seem to be primarily men attacking her. Well, every new project she does. Yeah. Gets gets there's this rally. Yeah. An organized movement to downvote her videos, which is yeah. fucking weird. Yeah, it's very strange. Very strange. So anyway, white dudes, if mm-hmm. you're looking for a job, there's uh, there's one out there that's solely yours. So keep that in mind when you look at those Rotten Tomatoes reviews. So you got Sperm Bank Donator and Movie Reviewer. <laughs> two solely male jobs. Nice. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, anything else on this? I don't think so. All right. Let's get to some voicemails. Last time on the show, we talked about, or maybe this was the show before, we talked about Rudy Giuliani, and I brought up how he married his cousin, and I kind of went off on a, on an impromptu jag about how that's fucking weird. One, we got somebody emailed in and said that, don't worry when I call the audience weird. Yeah. <laughs> what was that about? It was from Michael. Dear listeners, do not be offended if Jesse calls you weird. Embrace your weirdness. Be proud of it. Think of it as part of your personal identity. Weirdness is subjective anyways. It is subjective. And I use the word weird kind of in the same vein that I use the word normal. I don't mean normal like it's what should be. It's just what's common. Mm -hmm. And it is weird to marry... And have sex with your relatives. Again, I'm not uh, not backing down from that. So it reminds me um, of... I will not feel shame about that. Well, it reminds me of a, a moral dilemma. And actually hearing my... Um, my former thesis advisor talk about this is what made me want to do research with him. And during his presentation, he talked about um, like a moral scenario where you would tell someone that um, a brother and a sister are in a consensual sexual relationship Mm -hmm. and they're having sex and um, basically ask the person how they feel about that. Another thing to this scenario, which I should point out, is that they're consenting, right? But they're adults. So <laughs> consenting adults. Consenting adults is a key for this. They're not. This one. They're not kids. No, 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 no. Because that would obviously be like, um, excuse me, um, <laughs> this is not okay because they're kids. Yes, that's a good point. Um, <laughs> they're adults, though. Adult brother and sister. Yes, and um, then. You say, well, why? And they say, well, if they get pregnant, then there's going to be like issues with the baby. And they're like, oh, no, no, no. Okay, listen, um, they're having sex, but they're using 
protection. Mm -hmm. There's no possibility that there could ever be a baby as a result of this, that she's on birth control. They're using condoms there. There's no way there's no possible way for that to happen. So how do you feel about it now? Uh, yeah, it's not good. It's still yeah. really, really bad. And you you keep going through this process of explaining to them that there's no that's consensual. They're both happy. There's no negative consequences as a result of it. Uh, tell me why it's bad. And it just comes down to it's just not right. No, it comes down to you're biologically, evolutionarily programmed to not want to fuck your family because of the fact that, you know, they're going to have, you know, three eyes and no teeth. Well, and this, well, so again, you, but listen, no, 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 listen. That's, that's, it, that's programmed into us. That's why. Right. So it's a moral, it's a moral judgment that you're making. But what I'm saying is there's no harm. If there's no harm to anybody, there's still a, um, a struggle there of trying yeah, you, to explain right. why the moral judgment is that it's morally wrong for that to happen. Um, and I didn't say morally wrong. I said weird. Okay. Well, there I we said go. it's fucking weird well, because we you, because you are you're working against your biological determinism, your your evolutionary determinism. I'm not challenging you. All I said was it. Rem- I feel very challenged. All right I'm now. saying is that it reminded <laughs> me. Yeah, yeah. Of that presentation that he gave because I thought that was such a fascinating point that he was making. For sure. That there are these things in society that we make these judgments about, like this is morally wrong, and then when you try to drill down on like, well, give me like an exact reasoning it's hard to land on something yeah other than i just intuitively feel like that would be bad even though no one's being harmed like that's not okay yeah i I remember reading some of those and it is an odd it is an odd the how it cycles through yeah of them working through it in their brain and Mm -hmm. still not being because i would say yeah morally wrong i don't think it's morally wrong Mm -hmm. there's another one if there's no no possibility of having a kid yeah, there's another one, I think, um, having sex with, like, a chicken carcass, uh, a man. Well, that's weird, but not. I don't think it's morally wrong. So <laughs> some people don't agree with that, you know. <laughs> so it just depends. It depends. That's the other thing. It comes down to our... Yeah, well, some people think that two dudes having sex is morally wrong. Some yes, people are exactly. just fucking idiots. No, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and that's one of those things where we'll explain to me where the harm is in the yeah, situation. That's exactly right. Yeah, and they can't. Again, not that those situations are um, equal or comparable in any way. Fucking your sister or fucking your sister's dead chicken? (laughs) Um, No, I was referring to... um, Gay sex. Oh, yeah. You kind of... You lumped that in there, too. Um, And I'm saying... We don't. No, want- I didn't lump that in there. I said some people are idiots who, if they think that you know having sex with your your sterile sister is immoral, but there's the same idiots that believe. Right. I, I, yeah. I didn't mean to say you were lumping it in. I'm just saying you brought it up with those other ones, yeah, and yeah. I don't want someone to be like, "That's it. I'm pausing the show and calling." Yeah. As as, as we know, <laughs> people hear what they want to fucking hear. Okay, this happens all the time. So I'm just making sure I'm like overcautious and scared. Okay. Listen, we get voicemails sometimes where people are very angry and then they call back like 15 seconds later. Oh, sorry. I I didn't stop. I didn't. I stopped the show and responded and didn't continue to listen. Yes. And then so we get one angry and then when oh shit, sorry. Yes. So um, speaking of voicemails. And about Rudy Giuliani being a cousin fucker, Daria. 
New Hampshire. Hey, guys. It's Daria from New Hampshire. Um, I just wanted to make a quick side comment about the uh, commentary you guys made about marrying your cousin and dating your first cousin or whatever, which, you know, that's gross, but, you know. Um, my two cents on this is I don't see the appeal. Um, I don't necessarily agree. I understand there's a lot of genetic defects and stuff that can happen when uh, two persons who are too much related to each other uh, reproduce. Um, but I don't necessarily think there should be laws prohibiting such actions, especially when you're, when you have two consensual adults, um, who, uh, consent to the activity. And I know that's a weird, gross opinion, but, um, there's this fascinating documentary, and not, there's multiple documentaries, but there's this, uh, phenomenon called genetic sexual attraction. And it's really fascinating and weird, but basically what happens is, when two people who do not grow up with each other, but they're related to each other, when they meet later on in life, they fall deeply in love, like way more intense than anything else they've ever felt before. And this only happens to, like, brothers and sisters who meet up again after, you know, separated at birth, or this even happens to mothers and da uh, mothers and sons, fathers and daughters, and it's like a mutual attraction that they have for each other. It's really weird. You can look it up, uh, the documentaries about it. I think there was a, I think there was a British documentary that dealt with, it's called Brothers and Sisters in Love, and it's basically the whole story. It's like these brothers and sisters, these siblings were split up at birth, and they found out they were adopted or whatever. They meet up later on, and they feel like this strong, 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 uh, you know, relationship with each other, and they um, often have to, and it's, you know, some of them have kids, and some of them end up, you know, trying not to, trying to fight each other, and the other, or because, you know, they can't, or try to fight their feelings for each other, because it's illegal where they are, even though they're both, you know, in their 30s, or whatever, and they're consenting, but they can't, because, you know, A, taboo, B, reproduction problems, C, you know, Ill illegality. Um but, yeah, I just wanted to share that little tidbit because I think that was interesting that, you know, uh, I don't know, I watch a lot of documentaries. Please don't think I want to do my cousins. Please. I don't know who my cousins are. Um, anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had a margarita. Um, yeah. Anyways, I hope you guys have a wonderful, fantastic day. Bye. So I also had a margarita. I was just going to fucking bring it up. There was no tequila in that margarita. I got completely ripped off. I hadn't eaten all day because I had a really busy day. And I <laughs> ordered a margarita and he was like, do you want the uh, regular or large? And I was like, I'll take the large. I didn't feel anything. I go to I go wine tasting at Trader Joe's. They give me two cups of wine and I'm like drunk and walking out of the cups, store. And by two you mean like two thimble size ramekins. Exactly. People like, know what Trader Joe's wine tasting is like, right? Do they? Yeah, I go. I love how I said I you go wine tasting at Trader <laughs> right, Joe's. Right. No, it's there. It's like, <laughs> oh, let's taste the wine so we can pick, figure out which bottle. Yeah, and then I'm just hammered. I can't drive home. You do feel the effects after a couple drinks. Yeah, and I didn't feel anything after yeah. that margarita. So I want whatever margarita she's drinking. Very funny. <laughs> very funny. We don't think you want to bang your cousin. I actually think very strongly that Daria has a deep-rooted attraction uh -oh. and that she's pushing back a little too much. Mm -hmm. Just give in. Just There's nothing immoral about it. 
apparently. <laughs> or I'll mail you a dead chicken. Mm-hmm. One of the two. So I was missing parts of that um, that uh, moral scenario. They he he gets the chicken. He takes it home. It's a dead chicken. But before he cooks it, he has sex with it, and then he cooks it and eats it. So I think that adds a whole nother level, kind of throwing in some disgust there that you have to grapple with when. Making this is not a real. Judgment. This is a, like a made up moral scenario to make you grapple with. I mean, we don't know what people are up to, but sure, yeah, that is it's made true. Up. That yeah. is true. Yeah. Listen, I I would fully expect Eric Trump to be a a a a, a dead chicken fucking jizz chicken eating monster. Who? Eric Trump. Okay. He just seems like the type. No? Um is there like allegedly? Can he we... likes he likes the he likes the jizz chicken. Is there is that not true? You don't think? Allegedly. Allegedly. Let's do an allegedly drop. I'm about to throw up from how stressed no. out I am. <laughs> allegedly. No. It is good. Mm-hmm. Daria, thanks for the call. Um, the other thing that happened last episode is we talked about Bill Clinton. I have strong feelings about Bill Clinton. I don't think it's a mystery to anybody why I have strong feelings about Bill Clinton. I'm just shocked you have strong feelings about him because I don't think that you have strong feelings about a lot of things. <laughs> Touche. Yeah. Touche. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I expressed said strong feelings mm. about Bill Clinton. And, you know, listen, I'm I'm open to other perspectives. I understand other perspectives, in fact. <laughs> I understand them. I don't agree with them. <laughs> I don't know what's so goddamn funny right now. <laughs> oh. But anyway, you got a couple calls on it. And let's, uh, let's start with the first one. Hi, Jesse and Brittany. It's Mache from Texas again. I had to pause the episode. Um, you asked for people to call in if they disagreed with you about the Bill Clinton segment. Um, and I have to say I do f- on a small part. Um, you know, as you were speaking, I, I kept thinking to myself, like, I don't totally agree with this. Um, I'm sure you anticipated that since you asked. Um, the only thing I want to say about it is that there's something to be said for Monica Lewinsky being an adult at the time. You know, obviously 21, we're still all young and dumb and all of us are guilty of doing something dumb at that age, but, and I think that her consequences are a lot worse than ours would be if we had done it, if we had done it and not being in the spotlight. Um, however, and, and, and I totally don't think she deserves, um, you know, for it to have gone on this long for her and the the grief that she's had over this. However, um, I don't think that that makes him a predator in this instance. Um, now he may have done something else, um, that I'm not, I don't know about, um, that was predator like, but in this instance, I think, you know, Monica Lewinsky was an intelligent 21 year old, you know, staffing in the white house. And yes, she was much younger than him. And, um, you know, she was probably attracted to the fact that Bill Clinton was very powerful. A lot of women are. Um, and they made a mistake. And I don't think that it makes him the immediately the predator and her immediately the victim. Um, I just think it was unfortunate in general, um, you know, that it's turned out how it has in the public. So anyways... Um, that's all I have to say about that. Um, not to say that Bill Clinton is, you know, an amazing person. I'm sure he's done his fair share of sleaze. But um, 
I want to bring up the fact that I think that there, she does hold some responsibility for, um, you know, she was an adult and I think she was, um, you know, wanting the relationship that they had and, and it had consequences that were just much worse than, um, she probably ever anticipated. So anyways, that's my part. Um, I think that, um, collars are the best part. Bye. Well, that is just narcissistic, Mache. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, no, thank you for the call. I, I, there, of course, of course, Monica Lewinsky was 21 years old. She was an adult, of course. But something that I noticed throughout that entire call was talking about what Monica Lewinsky knew, what ended up happening for Monica Lewinsky that she didn't expect, and that always ends up being the rebuttal whenever it's talked about with, with Clinton. In fact, she said at one point her consequences are worse than ours would be, but that's not really the point that matters. Is it? It's that Monica Lewinsky's consequences are worse than Bill Clinton's consequences. Yeah. Far, far worse. And I think that's the more important part of the conversation. And when you're talking about this situation, you're talking about the most powerful man on the planet who, when all this came out, went to battle against Monica Lewinsky and called her that woman. I didn't have sexual relations with that woman. Yeah. Right. And uh, it would be a very dark place to be. Everyone turns on you. The media turns on you. And not only that, for the past 20 years, you are a laughing stock. While Bill Clinton is applauded, he's welcomed on talk shows. Um, he's He has the respect of everyone. While Monica Lewinsky, she's still the sperm dress whore. The fucking tramp. Yeah. And that is unacceptable. That's unacceptable. And so when he's asked about it and he shows zero compassion for the situation that she's been in. I was $16 million in debt. Right. He has been allowed to move on with the respect of everyone except for Jesse D and like a select few people who ask him a mildly (laughs) um, antagonistic question. Um, And Monica Lewinsky has to endure abuse every day. So it's just not the same. And as far as this situation, like you said, Jesse, there are, he's been accused of rape. Yeah, that, I wrote those down. I was going to talk about um, that. And those seem to fly under the radar where many people are not aware of them. Listen, that was my point. I'm glad you said what you said. Um, and one, let me say this. It's something I say all the time. If Bill Clinton was a college professor, a tenured college professor who had sex with a 21-year-old student, he would be fucking fired. That is a fireable offense for a college professor. Apparently, we hold our educators to a higher standard than President of the United States of America. And the other thing I want to, I want to address is, is the fact that um, maybe, Michelle, you don't know about the other accusations, but Bill Clinton is... A predator. Bill Clinton is a serial abuser of women. Kathleen Willey alleged that he uh, assaulted, uh, sexually assaulted her. He put his hands on her body unwanted. Kathleen Willey wasn't a political opponent. She was a fundraiser for Bill Clinton. She was a, an avid Democratic supporter. Her husband had died. 
She was in the Oval Office. And he consoled her and immediately went in for the tit grab. That's a piece of shit. That's not, oh yeah, he's just a little randy. He's just a little amorous. That's a predator. Paula Jones, the lawsuit that resulted in him being disbarred from the state of Arkansas for lying while under oath, he exposed himself in a hotel room to which he had just invited her. Those are the actions of a predator. Louis C.K. doesn't have a career right now for doing the same fucking thing. And Bill Clinton writes a book and goes on a book tour. And because it's politics, everybody looks the other way. It's Bill Clinton, the first black president, quote unquote. And then, of course, there's the credible accusation of rape from Juanita Broadwick. And it's a bummer that her accusation is sullied by the fact that she has become a puppet used as a as a tool of right-wing nutjobs like Donald Trump. But until that point, she was a credible person who, ha- who has no reason to lie about having been raped by Bill Clinton. So when I talk about Bill Clinton, I don't talk about Bill Clinton from the lens of just the Monica Lewinsky thing. I look at Bill Clinton... In its totality. And these are just three instances. The Kathleen Willie, the Paula Jones, and the Juanita Broderick. There are many, many others. Not quite as many as Donald Trump. But certainly enough for everyone to justifiably be alarmed that this man is still in good standing with the people of the United States of America. Well, and they're... And they're I mean... <laughs> I I don't know why these aren't as well known, but there has to be some recognition for the fact that not only is there a pattern of lying and lying under yeah. oath, um, but there's a pattern of predatory behavior. And um, he's he's an old man now, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that he he probably gets the benefit of being like an old, you know, kicking the balloons, lovable man yeah. now. Um, not a sexual threat. Right. And so people look at him as he is now yeah. and forget who he was then. And it's something to consider still, um, especially when he acts the way that he did in response to that question. Now, if he had reacted differently and with compassion and been like, yeah, I have now that I'm in my old age, I reflect back on the way I was with women and it's horrifying Yeah, and I regret it. Now that would be something different we could have a conversation about. But he was self-righteous and didn't think he should be questioned. And that's a problem. For sure. Thanks for the call, Mache. Agree or disagree, we appreciate the call. Um, same topic. And in addition, one about Islam from frequent caller... And seeming consistent contrarian, everybody's favorite, Mark the Mailman. Hey guys, Mark the Mailman here, aka Pussillanimous. <laughs> Wanted to talk real quick about episode 413. You had a caller named Joseph, and Joey brought up the topic of. See, why you gotta do that? 
<laughs> I, I really, this is, I love Mark, and I think I love Mark maybe for this reason. Mark does try to be an asshole. Mm-hmm. Because that's an asshole thing to do. Oh, Joey. When a guy calls Joey. in and he says, hey, I'm calling Joey from New York, from uh, Joseph from New York. And then Mark's acknowledges he knows the name Joseph from New York and then proceeds to do the Joey thing like he's fucking George W. Bush. <laughs> hey, Brownie. It's just, that's a, you know, he, he, he revels in getting under people's skin. Mm-hmm. That's my feeling on the matter. But we'll let, uh, we'll let Marky, little Marky Mark, <laughs> little, little, little Marky, we'll let him continue. The recent Supreme Court ruling in favor of religious freedom, and he made what I thought was a blatant false equivalence that I th- thought you guys would push back on, but you didn't, and I'm here to do that for everybody. Mm. Savior. So Thanks, Bobby. Joseph asked a question. He posed a question that went a little something like this: In the United States, Christians have been discriminating against the gay community for a long time, which I agree with, by the way. And in Muslim-majority countries, gay people are killed simply for being gay. And Joseph asked, which is worse? (laughs) Now, do I really need to answer the question, which is worse? Murder (laughs) or not having a cake made for you? (laughs) All right, I think that settles that. So on to... I'm going to pause there because I, I have the, the excerpt from Joseph's clip. Yeah. Um, s- smug delivery notwithstanding I know, that's what's Mark. making me laugh. It's just amazing. So but, um, let me play the clip from what Joseph said. Well, Go ahead. okay. First, I want to say that when Mark said this, I was like, no, that's, that's not what he said. Uh, because I for sure would have realized that, I thought, and pushed back on it. But we always talk about, oh, certain people hear what they want to hear. Well, I think that we also sometimes hear what we want to hear. Yeah. And um, I did not register that that's what is what was said. So we'll play it to refresh everyone's memory. And also, it's a call to Joseph. The what the fuck did you mean, man? Yes. You know. Yeah. And, that, and then you have these people that are like, oh, like, you know, the, these Muslims or, or whoever in the Middle East, they're executing gay people. Like, we don't do that. And yeah, we... Christians and Catholics, they don't do that, but, you know, they're denying, uh, they're denying their right to be married up until a few years ago. They're denying, uh, baking cakes for them. They're denying all these things to gay couples. So, which is worse? And it just, it just pisses me off, but. So I would like a clarification on what Joseph meant, but that, I, I dropped the ball. I for sure dropped the ball as well. I didn't register that having been said. Yeah. And I still, and maybe it's because I have enough faith in our audience that like, I can't imagine that he really believes it's the same thing. Yeah. Um, Wholesale discrimination. Yeah. On a national level through legislation and court supported uh, action mm-hmm. and murder mm-hmm. and, and killing. I, I mean, throwing from the rooftop. They're both fucking terrible, but one is terrible plus a thousand. I mean, it's even more terrible. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, fucking Mark. Uh, 25 for Jesse D and Brittany P and one for Mark. Yeah, but, well, 
<laughs> just no, let's them. let's calm down. Because how about them proud boys? Am I right, Mark? Yeah. Well, crickets. Are no. you playing the cricket drop? Crickets from you, buddy. <laughs> yeah. No, guys, we didn't with, withhold a Mark the Mailman voicemail after we talked about Gavin McGinnis and the Proud Boys. There just was none. Yeah. Okay. A- anyway, so yeah, um, for sure. And I, a call out to Joseph. Um, if that's what you believe, we'd love to have uh, a more detailed explanation if that's the case. Um, I don't believe that. I don't believe that uh, that should be justified because yeah. they are not. It is a moral. Um, there is no moral equivalency. Between those two things. Clearly one is worse. Yeah, that for is sure. Clear. So let's let Mark now continue uh, about Bill Clinton. Another topic, real quick if I could. Jesse went on a little rant about Bill Clinton in episode 413. And I thought it was a slightly unjustified and dramatic. But uh, I, en- I enjoyed it. It was fun to listen to. I guess I would just say about that topic, about Bill that it's Billy. largely irrelevant and it's actually moving the conversation backward to talk about the mid 90s to talk about a president who was uh clearly a bit of a pervert but um i just i would ask what the relevance is now i understand the me too things happening i'm, I'm on board it's cool it's mm, fine sounds like it um but why why does the discussion somehow always not always but a lot of the time go back to bill clinton and a blowjob that he got in 1995 or whatever it was um monica Lewinsky was an adult at the time with full agency who made a decision to engage in a sexual relationship with an older male and this kind of thing happens all the time um you know, it's unfortunate she's going to get shit for it forever. But Jesse seems to want Bill to get on his hands and knees and apologize. And I just feel like Bill's apologized ad nauseum at this point. Has he, though? And to dwell on the past is not healthy for anybody. Not individuals, not us as a society, nothing. Three minutes, boom. You know, Mark makes many salient points. Um, Dwelling in the past is not healthy. And that is why I've started a petition that I want everyone to go sign. I want to abolish all history classes. I think we should no longer learn about history and discuss the implications of historical events on the present time. Um, that, I think Mark, what he would that he'd get his tacit approval for that. Yeah, because it's definitely irrelevant. Um, <laughs> it happened in the '90s. Why are we still talking about something that happened in the '90s? Yeah, <laughs> it's a great argument. Well, listen, and Mark knows. For people who like are listening for the first time today, we have a history with Mark. Mark is um, a consistent contrarian yeah he pushes back and so we have a little bit of a playful relationship going here we're trying to bring him back from the other side um that he sometimes slips into um but with this bill clinton issue i mean don't talk to us talk to bill clinton who's making the rounds with his book on all of the news shows and the reporters who are asking him the question and then he's reacting like uh, self-righteous like he shouldn't have to answer for anything that he's ever done um you're, you're a public figure 
Well, Monica Lewinsky's yeah. in the news. Monica Lewinsky is like a popular columnist. She's getting disinvited from events that he's been invited to because they don't want Monica Lewinsky and Bill Clinton in the same room. Uh, take it up with all of these other people that are m- keeping this issue in the news, keeping the Clin- Clinton-Monica Lewinsky issue in the news. And also people who don't know Clinton's past. I mean, obviously, if they don't know yeah. his past, then this is something that still needs to be talked about. Well, the other thing is just that, that he's, he's, he wrote a book that he's promoting a product that he created and wants supported. So he's going on a book tour, doing press, and if he gets asked a question that's completely in bounds, it's not dragging up the past. If he didn't want to be asked questions, he'd go the fuck away. He'd be in his little house in Chappaqua, New York, or hiding in his office in Harlem, and stay out of the public eye. But he doesn't do that. Because he wants people to donate money to the Clinton Foundation. And he wants people to buy this book. Mm-hmm. That's why we're talking about it. Right. Hadn't he written this book and he was just off being quiet, I wouldn't be like, oh yeah, Donald Trump's bad, but what about Bill Clinton? I'm not doing whataboutism here. Right. And don't say, why does it always come back to Bill Clinton? This isn't a, a situation where we're talking about donald trump and then we're like yeah but what about bill clinton no it's relevant to the conversation yes. it's relevant to what's being talked about in the news it's relevant to what's happening in public at this current moment with disinvitation all this um so is disinvitation a word yeah okay um so yeah it's not as though we're trying Just like envenomate like <laughs> and pusillanimous pusillanimous um so you you get it we're good. You get it. Yeah. Anyway, everybody, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. Joseph, I'm talking to you. I want to hear from you, brother. Um, 657-464-7609. Again, 657-464-7609. That reading of the number was for those of you who listen to us at like one and a half or two times speed. Which, by the way, is fucking bananas. Also, you should just add the phone number into your phone. So that way, whenever you have a thought, you can just call. Yes. Or email a voice memo from your smartphone, just like Mark the Mailman did, to idoubtit at dollamore.com. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. We have a new Patreon supporter, Kenneth. Kenneth. And then we have a Patreon supporter who upped their pledge, That MF Wolf. That MF Wolf. Mm-hmm. Hopefully I, hope, hopefully I said that in the way that they would want me to say it. You think they want you to say that motherfucker wolf? <laughs> that motherfucker wolf. <laughs> Possibly. I don't know what they're into. Who knows? Yeah. Thank you both so much. Yes. Beautiful. For supporting the show and all of our supporters of the show. We, we it, is, it is a... A heartwarming thing that we that we have the relationship we do with our audience. We appreciate it. If Patreon is not your thing, there's PayPal. You can go to dollamore.com slash PayPal. Um, you can buy stuff on Amazon through our affiliate link, dollamore.com slash Amazon, and that'll just redirect you 
to Amazon, and you don't have to do anything else other than just buy your stuff. You can buy Dollamore gear, which we're still waiting for photos of the people who have bought stuff in the past. That's at dollamore.info. Or you can just simply rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, which helps us get in front of new, new, new listeners. Democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So this is going to be a discussion about North Korea, about the the summit that happened yesterday, this morning, if you will. But first, I want to talk about what took place at the G7, because Donald Trump has a pattern of shitting on our allies of putting his boot on the neck of our allies, of exploiting our allies and the relationship we've had, the storied relationship of decades, if not centuries, with allies, in favor of showing deference and respect for despots and dictators and dangerous characters across the globe. It's almost like I wrote that down or something. You know, didn't this sound kind of, kind of written? I started nodding my head. <laughs> I was about to say "Amen," and then I didn't. I should. She's not a Christian. <laughs> so, this is what happened at the G seven. Oh, it's my favorite job. That is that is unprecedented. That I look that that word is losing effect. Yeah, very much. But this is dangerously unprecedented what took place at the G7. That one, before the meeting even starts, Donald Trump tries to get Russia back in the mix. Again, carrying water for Russia and the interests of the of the former Soviet Union, of Russia. Mm-hmm. Why, are we, why is he so concerned with their economic interests? America first. Right. America first. <laughs> so anyway, th- this first clip is about the G7. And then we're going to move into... And I got a bunch of clips to play about uh, North Korea and in the aftermath, the, the, the interview that he did with George Stephanopoulos. President Trump is on a mission of peace with North Korea, as he calls it. He's attacking America's closest allies, singling out Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau for pushing back against stiff tariffs the U.S. is now imposing and taking on all of the G7 countries for, as he sees it, unfair trade. And this image put out over the weekend by the German government during the summit, and there's so many people studying that body language. Here's ABC's chief global affairs correspondent, Martha Raddatz, also here in Singapore. Even as he was preparing to sit down with America's fiercest foe, President Trump launched a new volley of attacks on our closest allies. Sorry, we cannot let our friends or enemies take advantage of us on trade anymore, he tweeted. Barely 48 hours ago, the president was touting his ties to the G7 countries. Angela and uh, Emmanuel and Justin, I would say the relationship is a 10. But things quickly turned dark. Trump refusing to budge on his plans to impose stiff tariffs on aluminum and steel from Canada and other allies. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau vowing to retaliate with tariffs on American goods. Canadians were polite, were reasonable, but we also will not be pushed around. The president went ballistic, calling Trudeau very dishonest and weak, 
refusing to sign the traditional G7 statement of solidarity. His advisors going even further. There's a uh, special place in hell for any foreign leader that engages in bad faith diplomacy with President Donald J. Trump and then tries to stab him in the back on the way out the door. They accused Trudeau of trying to undermine the North Korea summit. POTUS is not going to let a Canadian prime minister push him around. Him must not see see American weakness. From Canada, a measured response. Canada does not believe that ad hominem attacks are a particularly appropriate or useful way to conduct our relations. And in Germany, Chancellor Angela Merkel calling out Trump's words as sobering and a little depressing. And Martha Raddus back with us tonight here in Singapore. Secretary Pompeo right here in the region was pressed. Does he agree with what President Trump said about Justin Trudeau? And he didn't go that far. He actually said uh, there are often irritants in our relationships. There are irritants, David, but there is very rarely name-calling from a president of the United States to our allies. We're here for this historic summit, but that issue is not going to go away, David. All right, Martha, you and I will be here right through the night. Thank you. So I want everyone to pay attention to the language that was being used when talking about Justin Trudeau. Uh, Dishonest and weak. Yeah. Special place in hell. Yeah. Because you're going to hear some clips later on in the show about Donald Trump talking about Kim Jong-un, a man who has killed people, killed his own people, killed his uncle, (laughs) his, what, half-brother, I don't know, all kinds of family members, um, doesn't allow his people to have access to the internet, starves them, uh, living in terrible conditions. The things he's going to say about Kim Jong-un... But he said that Justin Trudeau, special place in hell, weak and dishonest. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah. I don't even know how uh, Republicans are not answering this, um, releasing statements on Twitter. If Obama was doing this. I mean, again, we always make this argument, if Obama did this, if Hillary Clinton was doing this. They'd lose their fucking minds. And I I just, I don't understand the uh, lack of backbone here with the leaders in the Republican Party not coming forward to say something. Well, they they look at it as, I think, they look at it as, uh, it is backbone. Donald Trump is standing up. But you're standing up and being a cock to our friends on the world stage. These are our allies, both economic allies, but also military allies. It matters how you treat these people. We can't, we, the United States cannot as much of a global power as we are. We cannot go it alone against the rest of the world. Even if Donald Trump's bizarre plan to ally with with Russia and North Korea and Syria comes to fruition, Mm -hmm. which is seemingly what he's trying to fucking do by isolating and alienating our allies and complimenting and promoting the agendas of our enemies and, you know, hostile foreign powers like Russia. So the the let's we don't have too much time 
for me to I wanted to go on a little bit more about the stabbing in the back and all of that. But it, we, let's get into this North Korea thing. But for, before we do, I just want to remind everybody kind of what the we I think we've played this clip before. And it's the, 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 the now this politics put together the mashup of all of the Fox News and the conservative kind of take about Obama and how how dare he be open to talking to a dictator. How dare he want to legitimize Kim Jong-un? And then the, the, the story flips as soon as Donald Trump comes in. And what a brave, wonderful moment this is for American diplomacy. I just want to play this before we get into all of this because it is disgusting. Would you, as president, meet with the leaders of a country like North Korea? Obama extraordinarily said, I'd meet with him. Senator Obama made his intentions crystal clear on the campaign trail. I will meet, not just with our friends, but with our enemies. President Obama likes talking to dictators. He would meet with some of these madmen without any preconditions. You know, I'm going to reach out to these crazy people uh, around the world and try to get things done. Yeah. I think that's a mistake. Obama is bowing and scraping before dictators. What is Team Obama doing establishing formal contacts with these people? A remarkable turnaround in relations between two historic adversaries. The commander-in-chief's leadership is now leading to a major foreign policy breakthrough. Another stunning Donald Trump breakthrough. President Trump scoring a big win. It's time to celebrate a great victory when it happens. President Trump proves the experts wrong again and scores a stunning diplomatic triumph. How about this? The fact that all he wants is to get them back to the table as a precondition. Sure. Not, I'll give up, if you give up your nuclear weapons, then we'll talk. Why would the administration think that this is a group they could do business with? Uh, you know, I have no idea. Those who hate us will always hate us. And the hatred for America is never going to go away. It is a definite win for the president. And it's a huge win for this country. It's breathtaking, it's audacious, it's bold. Uh, it will be historic. I'm juiced about it. It will be magnificent for the people of Korea. It will be for the, the world. Obama would personally negotiate with leaders of terrorist nations like Iran and North Korea without preconditions. Wow. The world will probably be a little bit safer. The media should be giving President Trump credit for that. I'm not sure there's any real discussing issues with Kim Jong-un. He may be the one president who would actually do this, who would go meet with the North Korean leader. Look, it's a bad idea for the president to speak to Kim Jong-un. Why wait till the end of May? Let's do this by the end of March. The current president truly believes that he's the chosen one, cannot deal with criticism. We are really in danger of living in a sort of pretty little dream world where Barack Obama thinks the power of his personality is going to have this incredible transformative impact on these crazy Oh my God. President Trump made the decision himself to meet face to face with Kim Jong-un. This guy has a very unique quality of leadership. He is so charming. He can deal with people. He can get along with people. I think that this will only work out well. The idea, which has been fanciful from the start, that we could talk North Korea out of its nuclear weapons program. You cannot make such a promise, not when you're dealing with these madmen who do want to destroy America. Is he going to stop on his way in Oslo to get the Nobel Peace Prize? If it works, he should get the Nobel Peace Prize. It would be something. You give that man the Nobel Prize, there's no question. But let's be, I mean, the chances of that are right around zero, I think. Will always be fair and balanced. Would not the left wing destroy Trump media? 
hearing <laughs> that woman say about uh, President Obama that he thinks just the power of his personality going in there, blah, yeah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Well, just let you know, these aren't these aren't honest actors. These aren't these aren't earnest characters who really care about America and the well-being of America and the policy of America. They look at this from a party perspective. It was Obama. It's bad. Oh, it's Trump. It's good. Yes. But what's notable about that specific comment is that that is Donald Trump. Yeah, he is someone who believes you know, they ask how how um how will you know how it's going or whatever? How soon into the meeting yeah. will you know if it's going well? <laughs> and he's like, Well, I'll just I'll know almost immediately if it's going well. Within a minute, he yeah. said. And how? How? Oh, I'll just get a touch. I have a feel, you know. I'll just feel it. It's out. what I do. Yeah. He that's what he thinks, that he has this incredible personality, the best memory, the best thoughts, the best brain. Yeah. And that he's gonna walk in there and that's all he needs. He doesn't need to study up, he doesn't need to learn. He doesn't need to educate himself. No he preparation. Has all of the tools that he needs, he was born with it. I think it's notable that several of those clips, as I yawn through my sentence here, several of those clips were from John Bolton, who mm. is currently the national security advisor for Donald Trump. And most notably, he said, look, it's a bad idea for the president to speak to Kim Jong-un. John Bolton was at the table with him. Yes. Yesterday. That shows you the intellectual dishonesty. And I don't say that flippantly like it's just a, a, a turn of phrase. This is dishonesty. The, all of the reasons that they didn't want Obama to talk to Kim Jong-un are more reasons now than they were then. Mm-hmm. The only difference is you got a dick with an R after his name, and that's good enough for them. Right. You even heard Sarah Palin there at the end saying, these are people that hate America and hate Americans. And yesterday you had the American flag right up there next yeah. to the North Korean flag uh. in a pattern. Come on now. Let, let's, let's get acquainted very quickly with who Kim Jong-un is. He's not just the leader of a country and we have bad relations with him. He is the the grandson of the founder, if you will, of North Korea and the son of uh of the 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 the, the previous leader. There's only been three leaders of North Korea. And it's this weird dynastic thing. It started off as kind of a uh, a, a, a Russia, a Soviet Union supported communist state, and it's morphed into just kind of a just a, 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 your standard run of the mill, brutal dictatorship. Not really, not really um, driven by any political ideology like communism. But there is a, a common thread between the three, and that is brutality. That is viciousness. The, the wholesale slaughter of political opposition figures. And there are few now. There are hundreds, there, there are uh, tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people in political prisons, gulags in North Korea. Americans that go over there end up being tortured and killed. Remember Otto Warmbier. Again, again, 
do not go to North Korea. If you're thinking about some kind of a, a sightseeing trip, don't go to North Korea. He was the 22-year-old American college student who was jailed in North Korea for stealing a poster. Allegedly. And if you, yeah, allegedly, that's that's key, okay? And that's why you shouldn't go to North Korea because they can then accuse you of doing whatever yeah. and take you and uh, hold you and then return you to America when you're deaf, blind, and die in a matter of days, after, like what happened with Otto Warmbier. After 18 months, mm-hmm. he was there for a year and a half and he was returned effectively a vegetable who died very shortly after and it was from severe torture and head trauma here's a very brief clip of him literally begging for his life while on trial in north korea Now, let that wash over you, though, because this and this combined with what Donald Trump was saying about Canada at the summit, we're slowly inching toward what he's going to be saying about Kim Jong-un. And this needs to stick with you because he has given praise. He has heaped praise upon Kim Jong-un. He's called him honorable. Yes, he and this is this is what the regime does. This is the abuse they had this man beg for his life and then they tortured him until he was dead and let for a poster right, right. Even, allegedly even if he did steal the poster he was brutally tortured and murdered at the direction of kim jong un who donald trump is honored to meet who donald trump is now talking about giving a space in the white house yeah, he's going to be coming to the White House probably. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, I'd love to have him at the White House. It'd be an honor to have his chief propaganda and intelligence officer was already in the White House, in the Oval Office, for an extended, protracted meeting. Listen, I'm going to hold out judgment about how this goes. But I can tell you the manner with which we're doing this is not right. The American flag... For all of our problems in our history, we should be looking forward, changing the way that we do things, and our flag should not be buttressed against the flag of the Republic of North Korea. It is antithetical to the values we strive for. Our our president should not be reveling And how honored, the great honor to meet with Chairman Kim. Well, not only because it's wrong to do that because of what a terrible person Kim Jong-un is um, and what his regime does and stands for. um, It's also he he shouldn't be doing that because that's what North Korea wants. Yes. They want to be legitimized on the world stage. Um, they want to have a place at the table. They want to be treated as equals. Any other nation. Right. And uh, it's clear that they are not any other nation. Right. And listen, save the emails. 
I, I don't want to hear we uh, well Saudi Arabia. Yeah, you know what? We shouldn't be fucking dealing with them either. We should we should have thirty years ago weaned ourselves off dependence of Saudi oil and severed the necessity for a relationship with OPEC. That's another topic. Let's deal with what's happening today. So Donald Trump has the summit. Donald Trump is all about details about what they're going to give up, what they gave at the meeting, and very short on details. In fact, refusing to offer details about what the United States is going to offer. Whether it be sanctions relief, whether it be pulling out troops from South Korea, which would be detrimental to the security of the peninsula. By the way, going forward, if you disagree, I'd love to hear from you. I know that there's people out there who are going to disagree with me, and that's fine. Reasonable people can disagree about this. 657-464-7609. Before we move on, though, with these clips, this is a historic event. This has never happened before. And I think that is really what Donald Trump is going for here. Even in the press or afterward, he did like an hour-long Q&A. And he even made reference to none of, nobody was could get this done. I think all of his predecessors could have done this. It was just... If it's not going to go down the right way, we're not going to make concessions to a brutal, despotic dictatorship. We're not going to do that. You know, the policy that we don't negotiate with terrorists? Well, apparently that policy is no more because we are negotiating with terrorists. So after the, after the summit, uh, the... Within hours after the, the presser and the summit, Donald Trump sat down with George Stephanopoulos from ABC. Talked about the special bond he's formed with human rights abusing murderer Kim Jong-un. Mr. President, thanks for doing this. Thank you very much. So we saw you sign the agreement right in this room. You also said you developed a special bond with Kim. Describe that bond. Well, it's been a very intense day. And as you know, we discussed things over the last few months. You uh, did. You've spoken with yeah, him before. I have spoken. Yes, I have spoken to him. I've spoken to a lot of his people. His, as you know, his, uh, I would say, very top person was at the White House last week. And so we've developed a pretty good relationship in terms of getting something done. It got done. I think it's a terrific document. It's a starter, but it's a terrific document. I think far more. And there are things that we negotiated after that document that are also very important. Uh, like they're what? going to get rid of certain ballistic missile sites and various other things. We're going to put that out later. But we have the framework of getting ready to denuclearize North yeah. So he calls Justin Trudeau, the duly elected Democratic leader of one of our oldest and closest allies of Canada, weak... And a liar. Weak and dishonest. Weak and dishonest. Not 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 a lot of difference. He there. also tweeted that he acted so meek and mild. Right. He, so he's name calling strong allies. And he's forming special bonds. Mm. 
with murderers, <laughs> with human rights abusers. Here he is in this next clip promoting. I don't want this to go missed. This is the president of the United States of America promoting North Korean propaganda. Uh, and I'm doing something that I've wanted to do from the beginning. We stopped playing those war games that cost us a fortune. You know, we're spending a fortune every number of months. We're doing war games with South Korea. And I said, what's this costing? We're flying planes in from Guam and we're bombing empty mountains for practice. And I said, I want to stop that and I will stop that. And I think it's very provocative, especially, George, since we're getting along. In Did other words, we're in the process of signing something. Excuse Did me? you talk about pulling troops out, U.S. troops we out? We didn't discuss there. that, no, but we're not going to play the war games. You know, I wanted to stop the war games. I thought they were very provocative, but I also think they're very expensive. We're running the country properly. I think they're very, very expensive to do it. We have to fly planes in from Guam that's six and a half hours away, big bombers and everything else. I said, who's paying for this? I mean, who pays for, in order to practice. What are the so kinds of so one of the things that I suggested and I want to do is we're going to stop the war games unless for some reason we're unable to go further. Well, I thought you want to stop the war games whether or not you're able to go further. I thought it was a bad idea from the beginning that it cost too much money. But Donald Trump is promoting the idea that it is provocative that we that our military trains in South Korea. He talks about war games and how it's expensive. It's military training. Mm-hmm. Just like at Camp Lejeune or Camp Pendleton here near nearby where Marines train, Fort Bragg, any military base where they have uh, training operations. Mm-hmm. You could also call those war games. And is it expensive to train military? Yes. Yes, it is. It's part of why we don't need a $650 billion military budget, Donald Trump. But by saying that it's provocative, you are buying into, you are you are eating it up. In fact, you are not just eating it up. You are regurgitating it. You are promoting it. That we are provoking a military response from North Korea. And we need to stop that. We need to stop training with the military of South Korea because we're provoking a response from North Korea. That's what they want everyone to believe. And now that Donald Trump endorses that idea. Unprecedented. Dangerous. Just as dangerous is Donald Trump talking about how Kim Jong-un the murderer, the human rights violator, loves his country. He loves his people. He wants to do right by them. What other kinds of security guarantees did you offer? Did you put on the table? Well, we've given him, I don't want to talk about it specifically, but we've given him, he's going to be happy. His country does love him. His people, you see the fervor, they have a great fervor. They're going to put it together, and I think they're going to end up with a very strong country and a country which has people that they're so hardworking, so industrious. I think if you look at South Korea someday, 
maybe in the not too distant future it will be something you like say that. his people love him just a few months ago you accused him of starving his people and then listen here's the rub uh, kim is a brutal dictator he runs a police state uh, for starvation labor camps he's assassinating members of his own family how do you trust a killer like that george i'm given what i'm given okay i mean this is what we have and this is where we are and i can only tell you from my experience and i met him i've spoken with him and i've met him and this was as you know started very early and it's been very intense uh, i think that he really wants to do a great job for north korea i think he wants to denuke it's very important uh, without that there's nothing to discuss that was on the table at the beginning and you see a total denuclearization of north korea so important and he wants to do the right thing now with all of that being said i can't talk about it doesn't matter we we're starting from scratch we're starting right now and we have to get rid of those nuclear weapons apparently kim jong un just has an intoxicating presence yeah <laughs> um that just makes you fall for him uh, even on something I was listening to today, they were talking about how no Kim Jong Un's actually kind of a party guy. He's like really relaxed yeah. and he likes to party. And I'm listening to this like, you're a journalist. Why are those words coming out of your mouth? Yeah. And you have George Stephanopoulos here trying to talk some sense into Donald Trump, and he says, "Well, listen, I'm stuck with what I have. We're given what we're given." Yeah, you're given what you're given, but you're the one who's taking the initiative to praise him and say that his people love him right. and that he loves his people and say these blatant falsehoods. Um, yeah, his people might, quote unquote, love him because of the indoctrination and how he's not allowing them to have access to information or contact their family members outside of the country. Um, it's not even that, though. It is that, but I was watching this thing with Will Ripley, who's like one of the only Western journalists that gets over there, and he was explaining he was ba he was with Anderson Cooper, and he was explaining that, yeah, we interview these people and we ask him like, oh, what's your favorite song? And they say, oh, it's our great republic, the the anthem of the republic, and that's what it is, our honorable whatever, blah blah blah. And then, but there's a government minder right there. And after the interview, the government minder talks to the person that was interviewed, takes their name and address and phone number and pertinent information down just to know who they were. So if something comes up, they can go back to them. So when you, when you, when Donald Trump sees interviews with people or the, the, the footage of the people just clapping, insane, they're all crying and acting all insane – that's not the real deal, Donald Trump, you fucking moron. Mm -hmm. Just because you see them acting, they, it's, it's compulsory. It's also compulsory. Mm -hmm. They must act like that because, like you said, it preserves their lives. Mm -hmm. Because if they're viewed not to be fervently worshiping the great dear leader. The government will come get them. That is right. And their family. And for Donald Trump to say, well, look, we're starting from scratch. We're going to forget the thousands and thousands of people who have been brutally tortured and murdered by Kim Jong-un. We're going we're gonna to forget that because we're starting from scratch here. That is fucking absurd. What other human rights abusers are we going to just forgive because, ah, give you a mulligan on all of that. We're going to start from scratch and act like you're a decent human being. Who doesn't systematically murder political opponents, people with diverging viewpoints? 
People who just aren't happy with the fact that they've been separated from their families, not allowed to reunite. Well, the conversation got to how does Donald Trump trust? How does he know to trust that Kim Jong-un is doing the right thing and being earnest in these negotiations? And uh, Donald Trump, he, he's, he's adamant. He does trust Kim Jong-un. How do you trust him, though? Is he willing to change? Do you believe he's changed? Well, you know, over my lifetime, I've done a lot of deals with a lot of people, and sometimes the people that you most distrust turn out to be the most honorable ones, and the people that you do trust, they are not the honorable ones. So, I'm going to pause it there. And let's repeat what he just said. Sometimes the people who you least trust are the most honorable. In this case, he's talking about Kim Jong-un. And sometimes the people that you trust most are the most dishonorable. I would assume he would be maybe referring to someone like Justin Trudeau. Our allies to Donald Trump are adversaries and our sworn enemies are people he wants to cozy up with. That's a problem. That's a problem not only for the United States and our political system. That's a problem for the world. Let's let him continue. Uh, we are starting from a very high plane. We're starting from a very good relationship. This has been a very big day in terms of the world. I think it's been maybe I, a lot of people are saying We're it's all historic. Calling it historic. Yeah, even my enemies are calling it historic. And, you know, the fact is that we've done something that's very unique. Nobody's met with the family. Nobody at a high level. No president our, has. No president has, certainly. And we've done something that we're very proud of. It's a very strong his, document. His father made agreements with the United States and then said he was going to freeze sure. nuclear weapons and then backslid. Didn't right. keep the commitments. Right. And he talks about that. He said that, you know, there are reasons he didn't because he was let down by the United States, but that's irrelevant. What he's doing, and, and he very much said that. He said, you know, over the years, first of all, they've never gone this far. You know, they've never been at a level like this, and his father never dealt with the president and a lot of other things. But he said, he, it's very much in his mind. He said, we are going to get this done. In the past, we've tried, but it never worked out. And it never did work out. And it was embarrassing, actually, to the United States and to our leadership. This is different. I believe you'll find in the years to come, George, I think you're going to find this different. How are you going to know he's keeping his word, he's committed to this? Well, we're going to be following things. We're going to be monitoring things. We're dealing with him very on a constant basis. Uh, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo did a very, very good job, great energy, and they have a great relationship. His counterpart, they have a really good relationship. They're moving along. They're getting it done. I mean, I've been up 24 hours now straight between phone calls and, you know, working it. This is a very, look, this is 72 years we're talking about, and we put it into one very intensive day and some meetings before. And, uh, but a lot of people look at Kim Jong-un and say there is no way he is ever giving up those nuclear weapons. That's why he survives. That's why he was in this room today. Well, I think we have to disagree. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here. Or I would have respectfully, you know, I would have shaken his hand. I would have said, listen, I'll see you sometime. But I wouldn't have had any interest. No, this was very important. It's in the first paragraph. And it says complete, total denuclearization without that i wouldn't have been interested 
I believe that he wants to get it done. You trust him? I do trust him, yeah. Now, will I come back to you in a year and you'll be interviewing? I'll say, gee, I made a mistake. That's always possible. So, you know, we're dealing at a very high level. A lot of things can change. A lot of things are possible. He trusts me, I believe. I really do. I mean, he said openly, and he said it to a couple of reporters that were with him, that he knows that no other president ever could have done this. I mean, no other president. He knows the presidents. He knows who we had in front of me. He said no other. So because Kim Jong-un is, is, is tickling the balls of Donald Trump, Donald Trump's happy. Well, he said it to some journalists that no other president. Donald Trump doesn't realize that Kim Jong-un has been briefed by their intelligence people who watch voluminous amounts of footage of Donald Trump and intelligence um, uh, analysis of what, what rubs him. What makes him feel good? What's going to get the best result from Donald Trump? And you know what it is? Telling Donald Trump that he's the greatest president who's doing things that no other president was able to do. That makes him happy. Well, and everyone knows how to play him. Uh, of P- course. Putin does this. Anyone who wants to get Donald Trump on their side, they know how to do it. And you'd think that that would be embarrassing to him, that he is so easy to manipulate, that all you have to do is compliment him and massage his fragile ego. Yeah, yeah. And that's all it takes. He should be uh, more intelligent than that. He should be. And uh, it should be harder to manipulate the president of the United States. Yes. Let's let the clip play out. The president could have done this. I think he trusts me and I trust him. Ronald Reagan said trust but verify. Yeah. How do you verify this commitment? Well, we're going to be verifying and we're going to be working with them. And it's going to be much more open than it is right now. Right now, it's obviously very close. It's a closed society. We know very little about, you know, if you ask intelligence they will tell you probably they know less about this area of the world than they do any place anywhere in the world we're going to be working very closely with them we've developed great relationships at different levels uh mike pompeo's got really very good strong relationships and others have also Uh, today we introduced them to john bolton which was a very interesting thing and he says by the end of kim jong-un is lying his lips are moving by the end of that conversation it was good i think they have good trust At the presser, when asked about the verification aspect that he just talked about, this is what he said. We had a great conversation. It was a very heartfelt conversation. You verify I don't have to verify because I have one of the great memories of all time. So I don't have to. Are you fucking kidding me? I don't have to verify because I have one of the greatest memories of all time. Again, with the great memory of all time. So remember when he said that once he was president, he would start acting presidential? Yeah. And people thought that that was true. Uh, it's it's not true. It's not and true. And <laughs> when someone shows you who they are uh, before they're elected... Believe them. Yeah, just go ahead and believe them. And Donald Trump it has always been like this. Yeah. He will always be like this. This is who he is. Let's remember this greatest memory of all time when he ends up sitting for Robert Mueller oh. and can't recall, can't recall, yes. can't recall. Yes, exactly. Beautiful point, Jesse D. So let's let's wrap with... The final question here, which is, when is Kim Jong-un coming to the White House? Mm. The answer should be, eh, 
probably not going to happen. There's no need for that. <laughs> Let's not get out of hand here. Because, you know, we don't have uh, we don't have Bashar al-Assad coming to the White House. There's no need for Putin to come to the White House, although that, that likely will happen under Donald Trump. Despots around the world don't get invited to the Oval Office. That should be reserved for our, our friends and allies around the world. But when asked, Donald Trump not only doesn't rule it out, he talks about how it'll happen. Final question. When is Kim coming to the White House? Well, I want to get it along. I want the process to start. I want to see some real work going on, which I believe I will. And I would love to have him at the White House, whatever it takes. And I would love to have him at the White House. And I think he'd love to be there. And at a certain point, when it's all complete, I'd love to be there. I would love to have him at the White House, whatever it takes. The president of the United States of America calls Justin Trudeau effectively a liar, a weak liar who's meek and mild. And whatever it takes, I would love to have a human rights abusing fucking murderer to the White House. Think about this, and we're going to wrap after taking care of biz. Think about the photos that you've seen of Donald Trump with foreign people. Incredulously folding his arms, refusing to shake hands with Angela Merkel. Think about those photos in the Oval Office with Sergei Lavrov. And the former ambassador to the United States from Russia. How jovial he was. Big smile. Red-faced. He was smiling so fucking much. Think about the moment when he barreled through those leaders in Brussels. Smashing his way through at the NATO conference. How aggressive and dickish he is to our friends and allies while simultaneously showing deference and respect and honor and essentially extending an invitation to the Oval Office to a murderer and a vicious fucking human rights abuser. This is unprecedented. So I want to just briefly, quickly go over um, several points. Um, so uh, he talked about North Korea's real estate, um, beachside hotel opportunities with Kim Jong-un in the meeting. Mm, Ivanka would love to get in on that. Quote, as an example, they have great beaches. You see that whenever they're exploding their cannons into the ocean, I said, boy, look at that view. Wouldn't that make a great condo? Ugh. Um, it's almost like a joke tape. Yeah. Uh, they were handing out free USB fans to all accredited journalists oh, yeah. at the Kim great. Trump summit. This is great. Which is amazing. And journalists were tweeting about it like, please do not plug this into your computer. Right. So it's a fan that's powered by your USB. You know, the, the, <laughs> while you're typing, you can have this fan blown in your face. Mm -hmm. And uh, really, like there's not preloaded software on that USB thing that's going to infect your computer. And it was just given to journalists, American journalists. <laughs> right. Uh, all accredited journalists. I mean, inter international journalists. Right. <laughs> right. Um, and then I just, I quickly want to read this because um, 
everyone's wondering, well, is he going to get rid of the nuclear weapons? That's the big question. Yeah. And we haven't gotten an answer. Right. I mean, Donald Trump is saying, oh, yeah, yeah, he'll do it. But there's right. there's no official um, signing the document saying that. OK, so George Stephanopoulos says, yeah. And the phrase in the document is, quote unquote, complete denuclearization of the Korean p- peninsula. Does that mean that the nuclear umbrella that we have over South Korea is on the table for negotiation? Trump, no. That means they're going to get rid of their nuclear weapons. We never even discussed the other. They're going to get rid of the nuclear weapons, George. And I think they want to do it relatively quickly. Now we're going to see. I mean, they're going to start working on it immediately. We're going to work with South Korea, we're going to work with Japan, we're going to work with China, but it really has to be an incredible exercise, George. But they have to get rid of all their nuclear weapons. Trump, they have to get rid of, yeah, I think that they will. I really believe that he will. I've gotten to know him well in a short period of time. George, did he tell you that? Trump, yeah, he's denuking. I mean, he's denuking the whole place. It's going to start very quickly. I think he's going to start now. They'll be announcing things over the next few days, talking about other missile sites because they were, as you know, they were sending out a lot of missiles. It was a period of time where I was saying, what are they doing? Every week it seems another missile going up. I mean, they're going to be getting rid of sites. Oh, you almost had it. You're going to be quicker than that. So as you see, we're in good hands. And um, (laughs) he is very capable and understands a lot of things. Uh, Good times. We would love to know your thoughts, agree or disagree, 657-464-7609. We welcome also the voice memos from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. Taking care of biz. Country time lemonade. <laughs> is country time lemonade still they must be still a thing yeah they're absolutely still a thing it's you know like the powder right yeah you mix the powder with the water and then you sell it from your lemonade stand when i was a kid i had very i have, i still i have very fond memories of being a kid and drinking like the cans of country time i thought were the greatest thing in the world really yeah yeah uh-oh <laughs> ah, this is a welfare kid have, man. have you had one as an adult no, of course not mm-hmm we should do that on the show. <laughs> so they're they're launching a new fund called Legal Aid, but it's ADE like lemonade. Hmm. Mm. And um, they are going to be assisting kids. Um, they're pledging to cover the cost of their city permits when their lemonades get sh- their lemonade stands get shut down. Huh? Yeah. So there are apparently. Um, city officials. This happens all the time. I know what you're talking about. This happens all the time. Yeah, and they write tickets for the the, yeah. the child's lemonade stand for not having a proper permit or license. Yeah, yeah. And so now with this legal aid fund from Country Time Lemonade, uh, families can write to them and they will reimburse the kid and their family up to $300. It is, let me tell you something. It, it, it is a, what in the fuck is going on in municipalities across the country that you have people who are paid by the state, by the government, to go around and fuck with kids who are earning a quarter or a dollar a glass, trying to earn some fucking piggy bank money. Yeah. 
in the didn't you have a little lemonade stand i did yeah which is shocking but um i had one and didn't like a cop give you like 20 bucks or something he gave me 40 bucks wow yeah i gave you him were a quite cup the of lemonade entrepreneur. and he gave me 40 bucks and it was amazing he lived across the street which is unfortunate for him and also he was probably a plant quite frankly <laughs> um they paid him to live across the street so he could keep his eyes on my criminal family you're like here's your lemonade fucking narc yeah <laughs> <laughs> I start playing in WA as soon as he walks up. Um, yeah, but back- it's, it's just weird that, that it, like it's like having the, the the yard sale patrol where you go around and make sure everybody has a business license. Yeah, just get the fuck out of here. Come on, yeah. there's better uses for government money and resources. And that's what the Country Time uh, Legal Aid <laughs> website says: is uh, quote Life doesn't always give you lemons, but when it does, you should be able to make and share lemonade with the neighborhood without legal implications. Wow. <laughs> So they're taking care of biz. Yeah, it's helping awesome. the kids around the country sell the the country time. Yeah, young entrepreneurs they want to make money and they want to have a business sense. Let them let them have it. Let no. them make some funds. No. Yeah. You and the drops. <laughs> Even when they don't make sense, you just want to play them. I, I just love them. Yeah, I love them. Even when they do not make sense. That makes a lot of sense. No. That's prick shit, bro. That's you. That's prick shit. It's you, Brittany. That is me. Yep. Are we going to end it? We should. You want to sign off? Um, I. That's the show. Thanks for joining us. Um, if you have a comment to make, I'm not prepared. Um, <laughs> if you want to call in 657-464-7609, we love hearing from you. Put that number in your phone so you can call us whenever you're pissed off and want to yell at us or say that we did something wrong. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Twitter at Brittany E. Page, at Dollamore, at I Doubt It Podcast. Like the Facebook page, I Doubt It with Dollamore. Um, and yeah. So, support us on Patreon, dollamore.com slash Patreon, dollamore.com slash Amazon. Go buy yourself a t-shirt, dollamore.info. We love you guys. We appreciate your loyalty. We appreciate your listenership. We appreciate your ratings and reviews on iTunes. All of that is wonderful. We will see you next time. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt. Thanks for taking over. Ha <laughs> <laughs>